Hi folks, I'm Sam Shansky. Thanks for listening to Diddy TV's podcasts. In this episode, you'll hear from Ben Nichols, founding member and band leader of Lucero, a Memphis-based Americana rock group with over 20 years of experience. In this conversation, Ben chats with an old friend of his, Diddy TV host and fellow Memphis musician, Mark Edgar Stewart. They reminisce on a variety of topics, which I think you'll enjoy. And they also dig into the making of Lucero's 10th studio album, When You Found Me, which was produced by another Memphian, Matt Ross Spang. Oh, by the way, Diddy TV is a Memphis product too. So, you know, we're proud of these guys. Let's take a listen. Uh, pretty pumped to be talking to my, to my old pal, uh, uh, Ben Nichols, uh, Lucero, frontman slash singer-songwriter. He's got, a, got a, a new record out, When You Found Me, which I think is awesome, by the way. I love it. Uh, and, thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about that. But, man, just tell me what you've been up to. Uh, I know it's, a lot has changed in, 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 in a year. So, man, what's been going on? Right. I've been, I've been kind of doing the lockdown thing just like everybody else. Um, but uh, we were able to, uh, you know, kind of carve out a few weeks there at Sam Phillips uh, over the summertime to do yeah. the record When You Found Me. Um, but other than that, it's been a lot of family time. Uh, usually in a year like this, we would have been on tour, who knows, uh, maybe 150 of the days out of, out of the year. Um, but this year we've played three shows all online. Um, so I've gotten to spend a lot of time with my family. Uh, and so in a way, I actually... I'm not minding it that much. I've been, I feel like I've been kind of lucky getting this family time. Um, so yeah, a lot of time with the family, a little bit of time in the studio, not, not too shabby. Good, good. So, so the new record, uh, uh, did you guys have intentions to, to, to make a new record in 2020 or was this just kind of a byproduct of a free time and, 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 and not working because the pandemic? Uh, no, we, 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 it was time to go in the studio. Uh, we released among the ghosts in 2018 and kind of ever since that record came out, I've been working on demos here and there, just kind of writing like you do. Um, I don't write enough, but uh, over the course of a year, I'll, I don't know. It was, I, I'd built up enough songs on demos to get into the studio. Uh, so we'd planned on going in in the spring of 2020, and then that's right when the lockdown happened. So that got pushed back to the summertime. Um, but by the summertime, we felt safe enough that we could... Numbers had gone down, COVID numbers had gone down, and we felt like if we wore masks and uh, were responsible, we could make the record safely. So, uh, yeah. so, so we, we got that done over the summertime. Um, but yeah, it was, it was planned for 2020, and um, yeah, now it comes out at the end of January. Awesome. So, so, so this is your second record at Sam Phillips Recording Service. Uh, yeah. Second record with, with uh, our buddy Matt Rossbang. That's right. Grammy-winning hometown hero Matt Rossbang. Man, he's a hero of mine. Uh, what a guy. Yeah. He's awesome. I, I love Matt, man. So, so what was that experience like, like working at Sam Phillips, which, I mean, that's a whole lot of Memphis pedigree right there, you know? And then, it and is. then a guy like Matt, you know, uh, just kind of tell me about the whole experience, you know, compared yeah. to this record to the last one, especially, you know? Gotcha. Um, yeah, we did both records, Among the Ghosts and When You Found Me, at Sam Phillips Recording Service, uh, which happens to be just half a block down from the Lucero building, uh, where we rehearse and keep all of our stuff and so our headquarters is just basically right next door um and so it's we literally push the gear just down madison and into sam phillips door um and so it's it automatically kind of feels uh just like your home uh and yeah. especially with matt ross being 
who we've known for a long time. Uh, he's such a laid back guy and has such an easy way about him. Uh, he just, everything just feels really good at Sam Phillips. Plus you've got all that history and just that, just the smell and the vibe and you know, nothing. The studio looks really similar to the way it did in 1961, right after it was built. And so you can't help but just kind of soak that up. Um, so it's just been a very welcoming kind of environment for us and real, yeah. we're real productive in that room. Um, and yeah, as, Oh, go ahead. No, go, you go, go. Oh, well, I was going to say comparing among the ghosts to when you found me, uh, the process was a little different because of the lockdown and COVID. Um, I did spend more time on the demos for when you found me, um, among the ghosts, we booked a week and went in with absolutely nothing. And Matt just got us set up and we just started playing. And, you know, you just got random bits and pieces here and there. Um, we recorded Among the Ghosts over the course of a year, just in little chunks. And, um, yeah. and then we'd tour in between and come back and see what we had. And that was a cool way of doing things. You had a lot of time to kind of let stuff uh, marinate. Um, but with uh, When You Found Me, the new record, um, all that time was spent in isolation, just me and the demos in my basement. Um, and then it came time to record and I'd sent the guys the demos and they had to kind of whittle away at what I'd built up over this time and figure out what their actual parts were going to be and how to make these demos into actual Lucero songs. So this time you go into Sam Phillips and it's more kind of a, a, a whittling away process, a taking away process. Um, so, so it was two different work kind of uh, arrangements, but but either way, in a room like Sam Phillips, uh, the end result was was good both ways. Yeah, yeah, I love the last record, man, and and uh, and I just wondered after you made the last record, did you know that 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 you were gonna make a second record at Sam Phillips with Matt? Was that kind of in the game plan already? Yeah, we had such a good time making Among the Ghosts, and Among the Ghosts, I feel like uh, up to that point, I think it's the best overall Lucero record. It's just kind of a it's kind of the Great. perfect synthesis of songwriting was pretty good and just the production on the record was good it was uh we had the best of uh we kind of hit all the marks on some of the records the writing's good but the production's a little bad or the performances could have been better um i, I thought among the ghosts was a good combination yeah. of everything and so yeah naturally we were like ooh, yeah let's do it again um and so so yeah we'd been looking forward uh to this record ever since the we finished the last one no i love among the ghosts when i heard it two years ago man it, it's a fantastic record you know and, you. and 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 i was excited to hear that y'all were doing it again and uh and i got the copy of the new record and man i'm completely knocked out by it i love it you know it, and it's kinda, thank you it's 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 kind of on the same planet as the other one for sure you know but it's sort of a, a sonically like a next step man like uh, uh, a big right. comparison I'm, I'm thinking like it's kind of like rubber soul revolver you know what i mean and, I'll, I'll take that i'll yeah. take that um and, we we discovered a lot of stuff doing among the ghosts and with when when you found me i just wanted to push it further yeah yeah and i, I think you did man the first thing i noticed was some of the sounds you know you, you've introduced some some new sounds on this record uh, uh synthesizer was that you was that exactly rick? Oh, man God. it was me it was me i think rick was a little hesitant he didn't want to be uh you know he didn't want anybody thinking that the keyboard player was, uh, you know, forcing all these synth sounds onto a Lucero album where they don't belong. But that was 100% me. And uh, 
twisted Rick's arm just a little bit. And he's got a huge collection of all sorts of old yeah. synthesizers and new synthesizers. And so he brought in some stuff that he thought I might like. And we just kind of tinkered around with things. And um, I, the synthesizers are still a mystery to me. I don't exactly know how to work them. Um, lots of knobs and dials and faders. and um, But he was able to kind of wrangle it for me. And um, yeah, I think what we ended up with was was exactly what I had in mind. And that's what I was shooting for. I wanted something that was kind of kind of nostalgic and kind of had that 80s synth vibe, um, kind of that classic rock 80s sound. But I, but I still wanted it to sound like Lucero. And I, so I think we got pretty close to that. Yeah, I love the sound. Now, I think you guys have been playing together so freaking long, man. I don't, I don't see yeah. how you, you can't not be Lucero. You know what I mean? Like, I hope so. It sounds like a Lucero record to me, you know, and, and I, I think it's fantastic. And, well, good. And it, it kind of reminds me of a hey, – here's a comparison again. Forgive yeah. me, but but kind of like a like a full moon fever meets ZZ uh, Top Afterburner. You know what I mean? I, mean, <laughs> I love it. That's everything that's I love about the eighties. Bam. No, that's that's a very good way to phrase it. Um, those are two good reference points. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of drawing from all of that stuff um, and kind of mixing it in with what Lucero has done in the past. And um, it's something I'd been wanting to do for a while. And like we, we kind of dipped our toes into that with Among the Ghosts and some Mellotron stuff and some extra layers. But we kind of went, we really went full on uh, with When You Found Me. And we'll see in the future. Uh, I think there will probably be elements of that in the future, but maybe not quite as much as they are on this record. This record was just the time and the moment to really just go for it. Um, and then you kind of learn how to incorporate all this stuff. And we've been learning, like you said, we've been doing this together for a long time, 20 years now. And, um, and yeah, you kind of, you, you have to experiment and then you see what sticks and then you try to make the next record even better or push it a different direction. So I don't know. It's all part of the process and we're just having a bunch of fun. I don't know. I'm not even sure what question I'm answering anymore. I just got rambling. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's all that matters, man. And I, I just love how the record opens. I mean, it, it's a pretty powerful Man. opening number and, and kind of and kind of relevant today and then no one's kind of heard that oh uh, we, well we've uh we've released a couple of singles um okay. but no one's heard that opening track yet so i'm very excited for the full record to be released so that i'm real curious to see what folks think of that first track it's one of my favorites actually it, it's a whole body of music the whole record is and that, that's that's what i like about records you know and and i, and I love to kind of morph into the second song uh outrun the moon yeah Awesome. That song reminds me of like a like an Atari video game at night, man. Just I'll like take that down the road. You know, it's a driving uh, song. Yeah, a hundred percent. Then uh, what was that other song? Uh, 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 coffin nails. And then coffin which, nails is number three. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean that, that. To me, man, that that could have been like a that could have been on a Rick Rubin produced Johnny Cash record, man. I could totally uh, that's hear. A, that's a big compliment. That's real nice. Uh, seriously though, I, I could totally hear Johnny Cash singing that, man. That's a great that, song. That's cool, and it's uh, you know, speaking of Johnny Cash, and you know, he's another Arkansan like you and me, you and I, mm -hmm. um, and he of course was a big influence. And that song, you know, that's kind of in sung in my grandfather's voice. Um, and he was born and raised in Arkansas. Um, and actually, John Rufus, uh, the name that I use in that song, uh, it's about the night John Rufus died, is kind of the lyric in that song. And um, John Rufus is my great-grandfather. Um, and his name happened to fit 
and then that kind of that kind of led me into this song that I wasn't really planning on writing about my grandfather and how he felt about his dad and kind of how I feel about my father and um yeah just kind of building off that name and that kind of family history um yeah that song caught me by surprise uh but I was really happy with where it ended up it's uh it's one of my favorites I love it and uh, another one uh the match yeah Tell me a little bit about the inspiration here. I was trying to follow it a little bit, and I was like, I'm just, I'm just gonna ask about it. So, <laughs> it's uh, giving the scoop. It's uh that one's that story has been around for a long time. Um, it was a a little bit of a old Irish folk tale. Like I think the the book I have the the folk tale is called Finn and His Men Bewitched, and um, I don't know. I I bought that book twenty years ago in college, just reading Irish folklore just to steal ideas from is exactly why I bought the book. And, uh, so this is one of the ideas I stole, but I kind of took it and, um, made my grandfather the hero of the story instead of, uh, this old Irish guy. Um, and so I took these elements and, uh, placed them in Arkansas in the late forties and kind of, if I wouldn't have been a, in a band, I would have been a, comic book illustrator and writer and this is one of the stories that i actually drew from my old comic book when i was still trying to do that um and it just kind of sat around for 20 years and for this record i I'd, I'd been digging through all this old stuff and and came across that and i was like let's see if we can make that actually into a song and um and so that's exactly where the match came from it was this story that i originally stole from an old folk tale turned it into a comic book about my granddad and now it's a song on the new record <laughs> yeah no, I love it. I love it. So it seems like so you're kind of experimenting with new sounds on this record. Uh, I'm going to ask you, though, because I know you guys have a have a super, super loyal fan base. You have you have some diehard fans. You sort of have this concept of what Lucero should be. So right. when you're kind of going into these new sonic territories, uh, uh, was that in the back of your head when you're writing these songs? I mean, it's how that it work, is, you know, to a certain extent, that's always that's always present we're very lucky to have such a loyal fan base. Um, and you know, they really make it possible for us to do, uh, what we're doing. Um, so you, so that's in your mind when you're writing, but, um, but only up to a certain extent. And, um, and you know how it is, you gotta, you're going to make the record you, you have to make, um, no matter what really. But at the end of the day, there's some kind of other force out there that's acting upon you and you're kind of at its mercy and you, I don't know. I feel like you kind of have to do what you have to do, no matter what anybody's going to say about it. And you hope that they're going to like it, and you hope that they go on this kind of journey with you. Uh, and we'll see January 29th when this record comes out. Um, we'll see if they go along with us or not. Uh, I think they will for the most part. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Lucero's always been a, mm, a very a band that deals with a lot of very personal subject matter. And, um, <clears throat> and I don't think that's changed. The songs are still coming from the same place. Yeah. So, uh, so sonically it might be a little different, but, um, I think what people really gravitate towards with Lucero is, uh, is, is, is the lyrics. And, uh, I think if those are coming from the same place, I think folks will stick with us. 
Yeah, I, I think all y'all's changes through the years have been kind of awesome. You know, I'm old. I, I can remember when you guys first started out, you know, and, and 20 <laughs> years ago, I, I can remember – I can remember the first big change was when Stubblefield uh, put down the upright plate electric bass, you know. That's right. He started on I can the... remember going, okay, you know, and a few folks like, where's the upright bass at, you know. Right. I, I, I kind of liked it when he, when he went to electric bass because I, I just, I, I could hear it for the first time, you know. And, <laughs> it's true. And, it's more versatile. Yeah, and, and I can remember the show where I saw you guys. It was me and Kevin Cubbins. Uh, you guys played the, not the north end, the south end. Remember yeah, that place? for sure. It and, burned uh, down, and, yeah. Yeah, it was the first time I've, I've seen you guys uh, on like a real stage with monitors and, and really right. all mic'd up on the drums and Stubblefield was playing the electric bass, man, and, and our minds are just blown. You know, I oh, think that man. was the moment where, where, you know, Kevin and I, I remember we, we, we drove home that night just going, they got it. Oh, that's, that's man, that's really nice of you to say. That's cool. Because, yeah, because uh, y'all were both, both in the Pawtuckets at the time. And so that band was a big influence on us, just seeing a band like that, uh, that was, you know, uh, y'all were, y'all were a real band and y'all were really doing it. And we're like, okay, I, we want to, we want to try to do, we want a little piece of that. We're going to try to, we're going to try to do that, uh, that thing that they're doing. And, um, you know, y'all had great crowds at the high tone and, um, y'all had a real good following. Uh, and we were like, okay, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to get our own. We're going to try that. Um, so yeah, y'all were a big inspiration and y'all were all such great musicians. We felt like we were just kind of, uh, the scrappy kind of upstarts that, um, I don't know, maybe didn't deserve to be there, but we were going to, we were going to try to make our own place one way or another. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Y'all totally did. I, I can remember watching you guys do, uh, uh, was it no roses no more at, uh, yeah. at, uh new Daisy. Remember that? And I, just remember I do that. remember. Yep. Oh, these guys are good, but 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 y'all are always hungry, man, from from the get go, you know, and and I always admired that, you know, and that that's something we didn't have or other bands around the scene didn't have at the time. Is you guys just seem like, tell me if I'm wrong, you guys just sort of have this vision from the get go. I mean, you guys had a had a brand from day one. It seemed like you know, and maybe I don't know if we were thinking of it. And, yeah, yeah, for sure, we did our own flyers and booking our own shows, and we just I wanted to get out of town. Um, yeah. Of course, I love Memphis, uh, and I love Arkansas, where I'm from, but I wanted to, it was very romantic, it was a romantic idea to me to just get in a crappy van and, and drive all across the country with a group of smelly musicians, um, and that's what we did, but um, yeah, I, kinda, I wasn't going to stop until we, we at least gave it a shot and yeah. got out of town and really hit the road for, for a while. And um, it's tough. Memphis will suck you in, like kind of like a black hole. It's tough to get out of town sometimes. So, um, so yeah, we were real focused on that, and I think that that definitely helped us kind of build our our audience in the early days. But um, but I don't think Lucero could be Lucero without without that Memphis scene that we were yeah, all yeah. a part of. It was it was a really rich time for local music. Uh, those years, the kind of late. 90s early 2000s it seemed like there were just a ton of bands and there was always a place to play and um so it was a really invigorating kind of scene um and yeah we wouldn't be where we are today without it yeah i just i remember you guys have y'all made your own like uh screen print flyers you know what i mean which is just so cool and <laughs> i can remember you and brian out there uh you know just hanging them up on telephone poles on a highland strip yep. and it just seemed like y'all just really had a vision from 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 the beginning man and i just always admired that and 
And I, I, I think you. other bands can kind of look to that now going, well, you sort of set the model for how it's done, you know, and, and, and y'all just worked, you know. I don't think you had day jobs, Yeah, right? we didn't know any other way. Not, not for very long. Um, we all moved in together. We all lived at 1372 Overton Park uh, above what used to be the White Way Pharmacy. It was a, it was a dollar store when we lived there. Um, and I think our rent was 600 bucks a month for, you know, all four of us. Uh, and we had the one van. Nobody else really had a car. John C. had a car sometimes. Sometimes he didn't have a car. Maybe he had a license. Eh. Roy and Brian didn't even have driver's licenses. So we had... Roy this... had a bicycle, though, man. He had, to be <laughs> he had a bicycle for sure. Um, but yeah, we just, we kept our expenses low. Our overhead was very low, and we just got in the van and, and drove and just went out of town. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It was fun, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm amazed that we've made it this far. 20 years, of, 20 years of that is crazy. It's pretty awesome. So so was there a point back then where, where you were like, hey, we've made it. This is it. Like, do you remember a particular time we're going, this is going to work, you know? What, what was that? that, that there was that a – Man, I'm not sure exactly when the moment was, but I do remember one day, um, and I don't know what year it would have been, uh, probably, you know, 2007 or 8, maybe even, um, where we were on tour, and I just realized that it had been quite a while since we'd pulled up to a venue, and uh, and I didn't know if if anybody was going to show up or not. I knew there would be somebody there now. Um, in the old days, you'd you'd pull up to the venue and you didn't know if it might just be you and the bartender. And that might be the only people in the room when you play. And, um, and that was stressful. Uh, and at some point after <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, um, I was like, okay, there'll be at least, you know, 50 people here. Like it'll, it'll be all right. Uh, and that, I remember that being kind of a relief when I finally realized that, um, that we would make at least enough money to get to the next town. Um, in the early days, you didn't know if you were going to make enough money to get to the next town. So, so when I realized that, then I felt like I'd made it. <laughs> there was no fame or fortune. It was just, I can, I can make it to the next town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you think that was about the time the, you guys had the second record out, Tennessee, or was it the third And one? probably the third or fourth record. Um, it was kind of in between, uh, when was that? Man, the years are, the years are all just a blur to me. Um, it was kind of around the time, uh, we'd done, we'd done, we did a whole bunch of, we did like a record every year, every other year for quite a while. This first, the first kind of quarter of our existence. Mm -hmm. Um, and so by 2005 or six, we had five records out. Um, but we'd also been on the road a bunch and we were kind of, I don't know, drinking too much and having a great time but also maybe not the healthiest of, of uh, uh it was taking its toll and um but then around the time we worked on that 1372 over in park record with ted hutt um i don't know that's kind of the moment where uh rick had joined the band and that kind of breathed some new life into us because we've been just a four piece up until then um but rick coming along it, that really gave me a new love for what we were doing and it opened up a world of possibilities just yeah. sound wise and uh, songwriting wise. So that got me, that kind of started to pull me out of the slump that we were in. Um, 
And then working with this producer, Ted Hutt, he really put us through our paces, and we learned a lot working with him. It was painful sometimes, but he really, uh, it was like going to boot camp. Um, yeah. And it kind of gave us a new vision of what making a record should really be like. Yeah, um, yeah. So with these new things kind of popping up, uh, we made 1372 Overton Park, and then we went on tour with that record, and uh, and that's that's when things started to feel like... Uh, Maybe we were really, you could see the, that you'd made progress. Um, up until then, we'd, we'd just been so busy treading water that we hadn't really stopped to look around. But then uh, with that record, I think it felt like the band had really, I don't know, kind of reached a new plateau and we could actually focus on making good records. And uh, I don't know, it was a little more of a grown up, a grown up kind of endeavor from that point on. Yeah. I loved all those old re records, man. The, the the first three, especially, you know, like that first one, like, you know, it's a, the, like Roy's little drum intro to kick that record off, man. It's like it's just awesome. Yep. It's classic, you know. And then Tennessee, but but since we're kind of talking about the old days, man, for me, man, I think it was that, yep. that third record that really got me hooked, you know, that much further west. And further west, and as I, yeah. As I've talked to other uh, uh, Lucero fans, a lot of people really hold that record in in, in high regard. That third one and and That's I was just cool. wondering, what kind of memories do you have of that record? I mean, where was it recorded? I don't really know anything about it as far as the background of it. And maybe yeah. it was a little insight, you know, for those who who, who for have sure. been curious. Yeah. Uh, that one, each each record we've made has been such, it seems like each one's such a big learning uh, process for us. Uh, and that one, we uh, we made completely by ourselves. Um, in the At the time, Chris Scott, I think, had been written out a little space right next to Sam Phillips, that building there on Madison. I'm not sure what's in there now. It might be abandoned now. Um, but he had a little room set up and, uh, we went in there and like Roy and I would go in, in the middle of the night and, you know, we had it set up enough to where we could press the button and then Roy plays the drum track and I play the guitar. And then and no, there's no engineer in there. It's just us pressing record, going and playing and coming back and pressing pause. And, um, we did a lot of the record like that, just me and Roy kind of trying to get a skeleton of a song and then other guys coming in and adding to it. Um, and then at the end of the process, we had to call in Kevin Houston, uh, the amazing engineer, Kevin Houston, to come in and then fix a lot of the stuff that we we recorded by ourselves. So it was, um, I don't know, we learned a lot, but we were, that was the first record where we were completely by ourselves and on our own and really kind of uh, got to experiment and pursue whatever vision we had. Um, the first two records are great and kind of, they exist on their own little planet with, we made those with the Dickinsons down there at the yeah. barn. And so those are really special. Um, but it was really exciting kind of getting to make this record just all on our own. And so uh, that's what, that's what further West ended up being. It was just a, uh, a, a very a, a picture of what uh, we wanted to do at the time. So I'm I'm glad people liked it. I still I that that one still holds a special place for me too. Yeah, it's funny why people attach themselves to certain records, you know. And I think a lot of it might be nostalgia too, or or what was going on in your life at the time, you know. But but right. you know, and, and and I had a whole lot of fun back when that record was out. I guess that was 2003. Good. 
but but man, I, I just I really did think it was a it was a fantastic record and the Good. song about Corey and I think uh, didn't John oh. Murray have a guitar solo on that record or something? Hate and jealousy, yeah, he he's got yeah, a great yeah. guitar solo on that and um yeah oh man those were those yeah those were the good old days and um and yeah timing has a whole lot to do with uh which albums are people's favorites yeah um it seems like kind of the first one that you discover uh is sometimes the one that you latch on to yeah um which is fine so so you guys i mean y'all have a a huge body of work man what is it is it 11 records now 10 11 something like that depending on if you count the demo the attic tapes yeah um and then we've got an ep here there so and the solo album so yeah you you put it all together and it's yeah 10 11 12 pieces of work um so yeah and i'm and i'm pretty proud of it i there's nothing uh there's nothing that i outright hate um we could go back and play pretty much anything from the back catalog and and work it into any set today um and so it's and some of them uh the 20 year old songs are some of my favorites still um and I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm very glad that the 20 year old songs seem to fit just fine with the songs we wrote last year. Um, I feel good about that. I feel like that, um, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if that says anything about us as a band, yeah. but it, it, there's a certain consistency to the whole 20 years that uh, I do feel good about. I think there is too. And there's something to be proud of, you know, and, and, and I was I always wonder, I mean, uh, do, do you often... Have you ever revisited something like from a long time ago and been like, "Hey, that's pretty good," you know? I mean, like, for sure. Particular yeah. album or song that's kind of, kind of, kind of tickled your fancy here recently? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I got a, I'd never, uh, what's it? Uh, I'd never sold handwritten lyrics before. Like some, I know Corey Brandon does that. He'll put them up on for, he'll put them up for sale online. Um, but as part of this last um, live stream, we sold VIP tickets. And if you bought a VIP ticket, you got a handwritten uh, song of your choice. And, and some of them were real old and I hadn't looked at in quite a while. And, um, and some of them were newer. But uh, I was, it, like I said before, I was, I was happy that even the old stuff, uh, it, still, it still held up to me as compared to the new stuff. And I was happy that the new stuff, I felt was just as good as the classic stuff that everybody, the ones that everybody always requests. Um, I think the new stuff holds its own just fine with, with classic Lucero, if you will. Um, but there was one, I woke up in new Orleans. That's off all a man should do, which I guess isn't that old, but, um, writing out those lyrics by hand, uh, I kind of realized, Oh, those are, those are dark. (laughs) Those, uh, (laughs) there's, there's, that's uh, that's kind of a punch in the gut um and i I love the song and i i like seeing it but there's something about handwriting them out uh i guess it gives you the time to kind of really soak them in and um yeah i was uh even if the records don't sound exactly how i wish they did or they were i wish some things were mixed different or we played parts different um the lyrics I, i i feel like uh are still pretty solid and hold up all right yeah yeah no i've i have regrets on some things that i've been on in the past you know but but I, but as an outsider as a fan of you guys man i, I think they all just hold up great you know man, I mean, good. They're, they're, they're all great records and my next question i guess being is is uh so how has your songwriting process changed since then and say today making this new right. record 
Not much. Um, I'm still approaching it uh, the same way I always have. Um, I kind of keep a list of just random ideas, Um, you know, just a list of phrases or words that might pop into my head that I think could be useful in the future. Um, And then I spend most of my time just, you know, noodling around on the guitar, the piano, and and, uh, you find a little melody that you like. And then then I'll usually put the song together um, just with a vocal pattern, just humming on top of it or singing, you know, nonsense words. And I'll get a good idea of what I want the vocals to sound like uh, and what notes I want to hit. And then it, it's a longer process of trying to find words that actually fit that vocal melody. Um, and the lyrics take forever. The lyrics could take... I could write this music to a song in an afternoon, but the lyrics are going to take me days or weeks or years sometimes. I'll, I'll have a verse that sits around for a year or two, and then three years later, I... I end up with this chorus line that makes that verse finally click. And, um, yeah, some songs, some songs are, are elusive, but, um, but yeah, that's the process. And then it's, uh, I don't know. And then when it's done, when each record's done, I'm, I'm fairly confident that I'll never write anything <laughs> ever again. And it feels yeah. like I'm out of stuff to say. And I'm like, well, there's no way I can top that. I'm okay. I'm it's over. Um, but then a little time goes by and you're ready to write something new and something pops in your head and, you, luckily enough, you can kind of grab it out of the air and, and jot it down. So, so yeah, still doing it. Yeah, another thing I, I noticed about this this new record is your voice, man. Your voice sounds really, really strong, man. I mean, uh, has anything changed? What's different? Has there been a lifestyle change, man? For tell sure. Us about it because it, yeah. I noticed that from the get go, you know, and it's it's strong, man. It was powerful. I appreciate that. Uh, it's because I'm a little nervous about it. Um, I. I quit smoking, which is great in numerous ways. Um, wow. Yeah, smoked for 20 years and finally gave it up. And, oh, my gosh, uh, just it makes a world of difference. I, I, like all the like – you'd see pictures of Frank Sinatra smoking cigarettes and uh, all these guys with classic voices, um, you know. Or, but then you had, you know, Levon Helm, and you see all these awesome old pictures of him smoking cigarettes. And, you know, you look up to these guys. Um, and yeah, it turns out, yeah, it's a lot easier for me to sing if I don't smoke. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so you know, for the record, man, I, I, I love smoky Ben voice. Don't get me wrong, man. But, but, but I, uh, is, it's good, man. It's, it's I'm got nice. its place maybe, but, uh, I'm glad I don't have to hide behind that. I feel like I was kind of using that as a crutch because I didn't feel like my voice was unique enough or good enough or strong enough. So I'd kind of just growl my way through stuff halfway out of necessity and halfway to just kind of as an excuse not to have to try to sing and maybe failing and maybe singing badly. Um, so that makes these new records a little more, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little nervous about them because I don't have that crutch anymore. Um, and it's definitely better. Uh, my voice is, you know, everybody gets older and uh, my voice has changed over the years for sure i the early records are tough for me to listen to just because the voice sounds so different from the way it does now um but uh yeah i've I've started and just approaching the songwriting too, putting things in different keys um singing in, in, in lower octaves which was something i was always terrified of in the past um and now i'm able to go to these different places that i couldn't in the past and and it's cool, but it's a little nerve-wracking. So uh, 
I'm thank you for the compliment. I'm glad you think it sounds pretty good because I... yeah, it, it was something I noticed, and, and I hope that wasn't a, a weird question to ask. Not at all. You know, no, it's a great question, and um, and there will be people that there will be fans that are like, ah, this doesn't sound like Lucero. This doesn't sound like the Ben Nichols that I want. But uh, I don't know. It sounds a lot more uh, true to myself. Um, so I don't know. It's the Ben Nichols you're gonna get <laughs> now, and uh. And, and so, yeah, it's, I don't know. I couldn't keep going the direction I was going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have just stopped. The voice would have just, I'd be dead or the voice would have gone or I, I had to think about it and adjust the way I was living. And uh, I think I'm definitely in a better place now. No, I, I totally, it, it totally sounds like Ben Nichols, without a doubt. Oh, thank you. you. I, just, <laughs> I, I remember listening, and my, my first reaction is like, uh, was this some um, Matt Ross Bang producer trick, or, or has Ben kind of done something different? So that, yeah. I thought it was just a question uh, that worth asking. You know? Yeah, no, Matt's, Matt's got a lot of good producer tricks, but um, but he uses them very subtly, and, um, <clears throat> and he really kind of uh, just lets us kind of go for it. And then, and then he he makes what we do naturally sound better. Um, but he never he never really forces his uh, views or opinions uh, onto what we're doing. Um, and I don't know. I can sometimes I like working with producers that are just really hands on, yeah. and you know they're digging through your lyrics and they're they're like maybe try the take the bridge and make that the verse and then write me a new bridge and make this chorus you know. That that was the experience we had with Ted Hutt, and I learned so much there. Um, but but now that we're older and we've learned a little bit, working with somebody like Matt Rosping, who uh, who you don't even know that he's making it better as he's making it better. You know, he's got this magic touch, and he's just yeah. uh, so subtle and so easygoing. Um, and then just everything sounds ten times better when you go back and listen to it after he's yeah. worked he's done his magic you're like that's what we did he's like yeah that's what you did and i'm like all right i don't know how we did that but you made it sound you made it sound great thank you very much matt ross Bang. no he, he's the magic man dude he's he the is. magic man but uh yeah uh kind of winding up here a little bit uh, right. uh probably my, my 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 favorite thing about you guys has always been we touched on this in the beginning is 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 lucero has always been a band you know what i mean like 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 right. every member has his own musical voice there's that that's detrimental to the Lucero sound. It's just not a, a front day with some backing musicians, you know what I mean? And, and that's right. what I've always loved about you guys, you know? It's like, <laughs> I, I don't see how you could be without one of them. But, yeah, uh, for better or for worse, detrimental or instrumental or, yeah, it's, uh, I've got a, quite a cast of characters. Yes, and, <laughs> and, and kind of what I wanted to bring up, man, is like, uh, I, I know you're the front guy, but, but I, I got to tip my hat to Roy Berry, man. I mean, that yeah. dude drives the bus. You know, even since day one, I mean, it's like I've never seen anybody play drums like that before. And like on every record, man, he just he just keeps me interested as a listener. It's like, what's That's Roy great. doing now? It's awesome. And and I just always kind of uh, I don't know. Give me a little bit of Roy love. I mean, what what was your uh, initial yeah. reaction when you first played with Roy? Like that very first Lucero brand practice. Like, do, do you kind of remember your thoughts at the time about this dude? He comes in with his crazy looking drum set and starts yep. playing your songs. You know, it was a. Uh, it was it was a very interesting first band practice because um, Roy was also he's always done electronic music too uh, and he would we practiced in his apartment there's that kind of quad 
uh, fourplex right behind Huey's, and he lived upstairs of Jeff Evans. Um, and I think maybe Jack Oblivion lived in one of the other apartments. And then and we practiced upstairs, and <laughs> me and Brian went to knock on his door, and um, there's just this crazy electronic coming out of this apartment. We knock, and there's no answer. We knock again, and we finally we try the door, and it's open. And Roy is sitting there in his kind of easy chair, and he's just like eyes closed, head tilted back, just kind of zoned out. And we're like, he might is he is he dead? I'm not I'm not gonna touch him. You touch him. You nah, I'm not touching him. So after this whole while, finally we touched him, and he he popped out of his trance and turned off this crazy electronic music, and then went and sat down in his little drum kit. And at the time, Lucero was very quiet. Um, maybe it was. Maybe John C. wasn't even in the band yet. He wasn't. We got Roy first. So it was just two guitars and drums. And me and Brian can barely play guitar, as it is. And especially in the early days, it was really simple stuff. And so it was real delicate. And Roy just kind of... Clink, bang, And it was almost... Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't jazz, but it was, uh, it was more percussive. And he would hit the rims or maybe even the hi-hat stand and not even play the hi-hat. And, and he had a very um, kind of unique, abstract approach to things right from the get-go. And it suited the delicate, kind of soft nature of the early days of Lucero perfectly. Um, and it was quirky and individual. And, um, and yeah, it gave these kind of little guitar parts that I was coming up with and that Brian was coming up with, it gave them uh, a very unique kind of foundation to to lay those guitar parts on. And, um, and then as Lucero grew into a rock and roll band, um, yeah, Roy just had more opportunities to do even more unique stuff, louder stuff. And, um, that's usually how I can tell if a song's going to work out a lot of times, especially in the old days, I would take it to Roy first and it would just be me and Roy. And if I could get my guitar part to work with a unique drum pattern that Roy comes up with, um, we'd spend a lot of time trying to find a unique drum pattern. Uh, so he, Roy hates just playing straight. And sometimes when a straight beat is what's necessary, it's, I feel bad forcing him to, sometimes I have to straighten it out more and more, but uh, Roy's really a great collaborator and, um, yeah, I'm lucky to have him in the band. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a very unorthodox way of playing, and it, it, it's amazing. And now I can remember when me and Argro was went out on the road with you guys a while, long time ago. We would just sit there and just watch Roy play. It was just the it's show. It's fun. Like, we got to yeah. find the, the, the spot on the side of the stage where we see Roy the best. Right, you know, right. Now that makes perfect sense. He's a, yeah, he's a whole show unto himself. Um, and, yeah, he's, he is kind of the backbone of, of what we do in yeah. Lucero. Anyway, I just wanted to get a little Roy love, man. For sure, just, for know, sure. Just, just, but yeah. everybody in that band is just so unique at what they do. <laughs> they I'm are. Sure you guys can play with other people. It's like it's just we like, can't. We've tried yeah. and it doesn't work. We can't it's do. Kind of like Van Halen used to be. Apparently, Van Halen couldn't play with other people. They were such an integral part of each other. Like they couldn't go off and do other things. Like they could only do yeah. Van Halen, and I think that's pretty admirable and pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For better or for worse, we're stuck with each other. Um, but. I'm I'm very happy where I am, and uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just real lucky to. We still get to go in and make records after 20 years, yeah. and um, and yeah, and people, you know, we can still we got somebody that will release them, and we got a loyal fan base that hopefully will like them, um, and that will at least give them a shot. So um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm 
me and the boys are, are I'm happy to have them and I'm happy to be where we are. Good, good. I mean, it's a band in every sense of the way. It's what I always uh, wanted. I never wanted to be a solo act. I, I always wanted to be part of a gang and have a yeah, crew. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what Lucero has been. Yep. Dude, you got it, man. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, last question, you know, uh, um, I don't want to take all your time. I mean, I consider and talk to you forever, actually. But, uh, it's, 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 it's easy talking to you. I was glad when I found out it was you doing the interview. Uh, I knew it would be a pretty easygoing conversation. Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't do a lot of interviews, but, but I'm a fan, so I, I wasn't I too nervous that. about this one, you know. Good. Uh, I interviewed uh, Chris Hillman a few weeks ago with, with ah. the Birds and Flying Breeder Brothers. Holy moly, that would make me nervous. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I didn't sleep the night before. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, yeah. I'm just hoping my buddy Jonathan here can like do some editing magic and not make me look like a dumbass. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be just fine. I'm sure it'll be just fine. You're very affable. I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, oh, hush. <laughs> but uh, I had one last question for you. I'm, I'm going to yeah. read this one because I want to say it right. But uh, uh, so, so if there's uh, any young entrepreneurs watching right now, wanting to make uh, uh make it in a business that's full of uh entrepreneurs what right what would you say to them man you know like some advice if you want to do this kind of work uh as a career um well all right let's uh let's see you gotta keeping up with the books is more important than uh than a lot of people think you gotta you know, you got to balance the checkbook and, um, and it's a boring part of the job, but, uh, it's an important part of the job. Um, and, and then as far as the band dynamics go, um, keeping a group of guys together, uh, is just compromise. Um, and you gotta, you've got to be willing to, to meet the other guy halfway. Um, and there's always room to discuss what's best for the song. Um, and you know, and there's, there's arguments to be made that, you know, you should never compromise for the good of the song. But I don't know. I think if you want to keep, keep a band together for a long time, um, your people skills have to be, um, I don't know, pretty, pretty in tune. You got to you working with other people and allowing other folks, uh, to contribute in a meaningful way and, you know, have their voice heard and do what they love to do. Um, I don't know. It it takes it takes a lot of work getting everybody's vision to kind of be part of this one thing. Um so compromise is is very important. So um so yeah, just and then just going on the road, you just got to get out there and and do it. So yeah, the road, accounting and uh compromise <laughs> within the band. Um There you go, man. You yeah, heard it right there. That's what Dude, I got. man. Dude, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and it, it, it's, thank been, you, it's been a joy watching you guys and, and, and on your journey for the past 27 oh, man. years. And same to you, same to you. You've been doing great work lately. It's, it's really yeah. impressive. I like all your solo stuff so much. Um, oh, hush, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Glad to Maybe we can meet in person really soon. Oh, I can't wait. I can't Hopefully. wait. Hopefully. You know, John C. is my neighbor, so John lives yeah. about two down from me. Uh, he he right. knows his yard a lot, by the way. <laughs> he's always mowing his yard he's got to keep busy i mean we're not on tour anymore so he's got to do something <laughs> yesterday i kid you not man i drive by his house yesterday and he has like one of his lucero road cases completely trashed out there by the by, by, by the curb to be picked up oh really yeah and i'm Wait. thinking man some super fan would love to have that old road case I mean, it like, like he like just it 
Like it was on the curb, like for the trash people to take it yeah, off. Yeah, for the yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked like it had just been to the ringer, man. I even thought about maybe picking it up, man. I'm like, <laughs> There's, I'm, I'm glad. John C has a tendency to hoard, so actually, I'm glad to hear that he's letting some stuff go. If uh, I almost got it, I was like, man, some super fan would love to have this. Maybe, have, but have a little stencil on the side of it, you know. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, your house is like infested with some kind of rare beetle that <laughs> that's in the wood from the road case, and yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's best to just leave it on the curb. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I'll, <laughs> when, when I go home today, I'll see if it's still there or not. But but anyway. <laughs> Ben, yeah, man, Mark. thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. Thank yep. you. I'm, I'm going to sign off. Take it easy, man. Sign off. All right. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ben Nichols. Be sure to listen to other Diddy TV podcasts for more from the leaders and legends in the Americana and Roots music scene. And don't forget to visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and to download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.